0: And David, in essence, hallelujah, watch me now, Uh, then his brothers came to him and said, listen, what's the matter with you? You need to go back home. Go back home and start start starting trouble. Amen? And David said something very powerful. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? There is a reason I am here. There is a reason I have just come upon this battlefield. God, help me in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, I thought that I came just to bring you guys food, but now I'm starting to sense an opportunity. And, and listen, this, everybody can't catch this, hallelujah, because we don't know how to view opposition. But I want to submit to somebody in this place that sometimes your opposition is your opportunity. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said your opposition is your opportunity opportunity. And David said, this is not about playing it safe. This is about significance. And significance is greater than safety. Oh, God, help me in here. Are you hearing this, preacher? So watch what he does. He does this amazing thing to me. He goes into a brook. I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me. Uh, the Bible says that the next thing he does after he says, I'm going to fight him, is he, he goes to the brook. He goes to the brook, hallelujah, and he he picks up five stones. Now, immediately, you know, when when you're very observant reading the scriptures, you have to ask yourself, why did he get the stones from the brook? Why is he not picking up stones from the ground? Why, Why the brook? Is there something about the brook that I need to know? And then I begin to learn a little something. And I found out, hallelujah, that things that have been tossed around, things that have been tossed around, usually end up becoming tools for victory. Things that have been tossed around uh, end up eventually becoming tools for victory. So watch this. He goes to the brook and he gets five smooth stones. He's specific. Five smooth stones. Because uh, the reason the stones are smooth is because they've been tossed around in the brook. In other words, the water has tossed them Around and watch this. While the water is tossing the stones around, their rough, jagged edges are being smoothed down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And and you know, as I, as I study further, I begin to uh, question or answer. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, why why this process? And then I found out it's very simple. Uh, rocks with jagged edges don't fly straight. <clears throat> rocks that have jagged edges. Do not fly straight. And you know what I've learned? Mm, People that have never been through nothing have a hard time staying on course. Y'all not saying nothing in here. People who've never been through anything have a hard time staying on course, And God doesn't want David wants this to miss his mark. so he doesn't just allow him or lead him to pick up any rock, because if he picks up any rock with jagged edges, any rock that has not been smoothed down, it might start straight. You know, like a lot of people do, they might start straight, they might start fast, they might start excited. But before you know it, they begin to (laughs) veer off their course because they haven't experienced, hallelujah, the development of being tossed around. (laughs) I got anybody in here know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. When these particular disciples, hallelujah, are being tossed around by the water... In this storm, they are actually being developed. I said they are being developed. uh, One of my favorite disciples is Peter. Amen. I could really relate to Peter in a lot of ways. Glory to God. And uh, his name means rock. Amen. And in essence, God is developing him. And in essence, I look at it like this. Peter, if I throw you now, if I release you now, If I release you prematurely, you're not going to make it. But when I'm finished, when I'm finished with you and I release you, you're going to stay on course. Ooh, sometimes you just got to let God finish with you. Are you blessed in here, church? Hallelujah, Jesus. My God. This is why the psalmist said, it was good that I was afflicted. See, that will make a lot of sense to some people. It was good that I was afflicted. And we like quoting it, and, we, and usually we stop there. But the rest of it goes on to say, if I was not afflicted, I would have strayed away. Yes. And so when I got tossed around, that's the thing God used to develop me to stay on course. Ooh, God. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Some of the things I went through actually kept me calling on God. Yes. You don't hear me. They kept me call- they kept me calling on God. Hallelujah. And kept me on course. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. I don't believe that God wants you to lose your mark, miss your mark or jeopardize your opportunity. Amen. Amen. My God have mercy in this place hallelujah you know sometimes we think that the call to christianity is a safe uh, is, is is a call of safety and and you can argue with me as far as our soul is concerned amen uh, my soul is secure though, pastor right and i will just submit to you listen we can argue that your soul is secure but that doesn't exempt you from trouble are you hearing what i'm saying You come out of those baptismal waters, hallelujah, you're coming out into a mission field. I said, you come out of those waters, you're coming out into a mission field. When Jesus comes out of the baptismal waters, the Bible says that the heavens open. This is amazing. The heavens open, hallelujah, and a voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And if that's not enough, a dove begins to descend from heaven heaven as a sign of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus as a pure white dove not fire because watch this oh God fire purifies but you don't need to purify that which is already pure we need fire because we need to be purified that's why on the day of Pentecost It was fire, amen, but when it came upon Jesus, that which is pure, don't need no purifying, so it came as a dove, it came as a symbol of peace, as to let us know that he is the prince of peace, hallelujah. So watch this, look at Jesus now, his father affirms him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, but the next place he's going to is the wilderness, I said immediately after that, the Bible says that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And in the same way, hallelujah, Jesus led these men, told them to get in a boat, and sent them into a storm he knew was coming. Oh yeah, because if he's Jesus, come on somebody. No storm takes him by surprise what I want to submit to somebody in here, hallelujah, that wilderness experience, whenever you find yourself in a wilderness, understand that the wilderness is training for reigning. I said the wilderness is always training for reigning. If I took you out of Egypt and I put you in the wilderness, it's because you're not yet ready for the promised land. But by the time I get done taking you through the wilderness, you'll be ready. Because the wilderness is training for reigning. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. The problem with us is that we live in a therapeutic generation. We love these nice little cliches. You know, the center of God's will is the safest place you could be. It is the best place you could be. It is not necessarily the safest. And if you're going to insist on saying that it's the safest, make sure you interpret the word safe through biblical lenses, okay? Because safe as it pertains to the Bible does not mean the absence of trouble. I said safe as it pertains to the Bible does not mean the absence of trouble. What it means, hallelujah, is that the presence of God will be present. He is a present help in the time of trouble. It's not that you won't have trouble. It's just that I promise to be there. In the trouble, hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is Jehovah Shammah. He is the Lord that is there. I'll be there. You can count on it. I won't be on my way. I'm a present help. When the trouble comes, I'll be right there. God, help me in here. I don't care how fiery the trial is. I don't care how many times the king threatens to turn up the fire. Put me in the fire and he will show up immediately. Are you hearing me? Oh, God, if, you, if you're blessed, shall glory. glory. Watch this. Hallelujah. Safety is not the absence of trouble, but knowing that God is with us. Watch this. And in control. Watch this. Even causing all things to work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Even taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it around for my good uh do you trust god like that do you know he's working it out it might not feel good but it's working for my good yes it's it's working for my good hallelujah are you blessed in here let me give you a scripture that i like i'm just going to quote it for the sake of time you can write it down isaiah 41 and 10 isaiah 41 and 10 says this do not this is a word for somebody do not fear for i am with you do not anxiously look about you for i am your god I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say I might. He said surely. Oh God, do you believe that in here? I know it's easy to believe when you ain't going through nothing. But when you're in a bad storm, hallelujah. That's when we need to determine, hallelujah, if you believe it or not, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So watch this, safety is not the absence of trouble. Safety is the guarantee of God's presence in trouble. Watch this now, tangible or untangible. Mm -hmm. Let me mess you up, felt or unfelt. Because there are times where God lets you feel his presence to let you know he's there. And there are times where he will withdraw his tangible (laughs) presence to see where your reliance really is. (laughs) Help me in here. Let me tell you something, when, when God first comes to you to draw you to him, he's going to let you feel him in powerful ways. Can anybody testify in here? You're going to feel his presence such a powerful way, he's going to mess you up, you're never going to be the same again. But then as he develops you, and as he grows you, he's going to purposely draw back his tangible presence. It's not that he won't be there, he will be there, but you won't feel him. Because he wants to know, hallelujah, where your reliance is. Whether it's on his word or whether it's in your feelings. Whether it's on his word or whether it's in your feelings. And it's not until he withdraws his tangible presence that we can really determine where your faith really is. Because the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if I said I'm going to be there... You can believe that I'm there, whether you feel me or not. Mm. Why? Because I said it. So I don't have to feel it. He said it. And that's where my reliance is. Not on my feelings, but in his word. Ah, are you blessed in here? On one occasion, he sent the 70 out on what I call a a, a spiritual training exercise. And he sent the 70 out, hallelujah, and he told them not to take anything with them, including him. (laughs) And and he was teaching them, watch this, uh, uh, by giving them the power of his name, but not giving them his physical presence because in a little while, he was going to withdraw his physical presence from them. And I need you to get to the place where you rely on my word and not your feelings. Ooh, are you in this place? Nah. Can, I, can I help you in here? We are emotional people. And, and God gave it to us. God gave us emotions. Your God is emotional, believe it or not. Read your Bible. Amen. Watch this. But God designed your emotions to be gauges, not guides. My God, if I don't say nothing else, you better catch that right there. God designed your emotions to be gauges and not guides. Your emotions are a gauge, not a guide. Watch this. They're meant to report to you, not decide for you. I said they're meant to report to you. Not to decide for you. They're gauges. They're not guides. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. The pattern of your emotions will give you a reading uh, as to where your hope is. Your emotions will give you a reading as to where your hope is. Because this your emotions are wired to that which you value. And that which you believe. And how much. That's why, watch this, emotions like delight. Emotions like affection. Emotions like fear or anger and joy are so important in your Bible. Because they reveal what your, love, what your heart loves. They reveal what your, what your heart trusts. And they reveal what your heart fears. Ooh. Can I put it to you the way I feel it? Pleasure is the measure of your treasure. I just messed somebody up. Pleasure is the measure of your treasure. Because the emotion of pleasure is a gauge that will give you a reading of what you love. Are you in this place? And where your treasure is, there shall your heart be. Also, that's the Bible. Amen? Are you blessed so far? Keep that in mind, saints. Your emotions were meant to be a gauge, not a guide. You don't let your emotions guide you. You let the word of God guide you. Mm. Watch this. Let me get on with this text. Jesus sent them. Watch this. Uh, Another gospel confirms the same story and says that Jesus actually told them to get in a boat. And to go. Amen. So Jesus sends them. Understand that Jesus will send you. He will send you. I will send you. And, and not necessarily where you want to go. But I will send you as sheep amidst the wolves. Do you know what that means? I will purposely send you to places where the people around you will want to eat you alive. And I will send you there. So that you can light it up. Because there's so much darkness in there, I need light. It's so bland in there, I need salt to give that place flavor. I need you there so people can become thirsty concerning what you have. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Are you blessed, church? I will send you there. It won't feel good, but it will be my will for you. Watch this. He sends them at night knowing that they will not be able to clearly navigate smoothly in the dark. Ever, ever, ever go through a night season? Where you were without direction? I need real people now. Where you couldn't see your way clear? Hallelujah. Your eyes were open, but you could not see. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And again, watch this. This is development. This is training because I'm getting somewhere. Just stay with me. This is training because not only does he want them not to rely on their feelings, he, does, he doesn't want them to rely on their sight. I'm teaching. That's why I'm sending you in the dark on purpose. So that I can develop your spiritual senses and get you to stop operating in natural senses. Oh God, help me in the. You know that the most powerful sense you have, or at least what they refer to as the most noble sense that you have, is your sight? It is the sense that is the least hindered by distance. It is the sense that is the least hindered by distance. Amen, somebody. When we're talking about senses like touch, touch needs contact. I got to be at a certain distance to use this sense. Amen? And if I move. Far away, it is immediately hindered by distance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The same with taste. Taste, I got, to, I got to make contact in order to taste something. And if it's too far from my reach, it is immediately hindered by distance. Are you with me in this place? Smell, watch this, doesn't need contact, right? You ever got home and came in the door? You, man, help me out. You get home, you open the door, and you, whoo, man, you smell glory, You know that your wife was getting down in the kitchen, amen, and you can smell it the minute you come in the door. Don't leave me up here by myself, hallelujah. But when I was outside, parking the car, I couldn't smell a thing. In other words, it's hindered by distance. Hearing, hearing doesn't need contact either. I can hear you from pretty far, amen? But watch this, if I drop this mic right now, uh, you guys in the first two rows might be hearing me clearly, but maybe someone in the last row uh, might be hindered because of distance. Are you with me? Now, sight is amazing because while sight can be hindered by distance, it is the least hindered. I can see the sun from the earth, I can see stars from the earth, I can see the moon. From the earth, it is the least hindered by distance. Watch this. Yet these senses are designed to serve us only while we sojourn in these clay pots, in these bodies. Amen? Are you in this place, in these houses of clay? Uh, But there is another realm that exists. And so how do I tap into that other realm with my natural senses? Can it even be done? If you're still with me, shout glory. And know that when we're talking about not living by sight, we're not just talking about what I see. We're talking about how I see. We're talking about how I perceive things. The Bible says, watch this, hallelujah, and all thy getting, get understanding, right? Right? And then in another place, in the same book, lean not on your own understanding. Now, you need to catch this because he's not saying lean not on understanding. He said get understanding. But lean not on your own understanding. In other words, as it pertains to the things of God, you need God to enlighten you. And you need an understanding of the things of God that comes from the Word of God. Amen, somebody. And so when it comes to the things of God, do not lean on your own understanding because the carnal man cannot understand the things of the spirit because they need to be spiritually discerned. When it comes to spiritual things, you get them spirit to spirit. Spirit. Watch this, natural understanding comes from information gained through senses and information gained through reason. But when it comes to the invisible, when it comes to the eternal, when it comes to the spiritual, not even the strongest or the most noble of senses can help you at all. A person who lives by sight will not tap into the invisible realm. As noble as that sense is, it will not help you when it comes to spiritual things. I'm trying to teach a little bit. Is that all right? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. The Bible says that the just shall not walk by sight, but shall walk by faith. Ooh, can I show you a scripture? 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. Hallelujah, Jesus. You guys doing all right? I'm not there yet, and I hope I get there. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. Powerful scripture. Hallelujah. Watch this. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man, one translation says, to perceive, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God is saying, you're not going to get what I have for you, which is spiritual, through natural senses. Eyes haven't seen it, ears haven't heard it, it hasn't even entered the heart of man, the things that I have for them that love me. Look at the next verse. But God hath revealed them unto us, how? (sighs) By his spirit. Oh, here's the amazing thing about God. I wish I had time to get into this. Hallelujah. But the amazing thing about God, hallelujah, is that he knows that the carnal man cannot understand the things of the spirit. So if you're ever going to understand the things of the spirit, hallelujah, you're going to need the help of the spirit. So God is so good that when you got saved, when you gave your heart to Jesus, do you know what happened? Do you really know what happened? The Bible says that the spirit, capital S, of God, the Holy Spirit came in into you came into you so watch this now you have the spirit but you're still operating on the natural senses so you know what the holy spirit does when it comes into you the bible says in ephesians 2 that it quickened you in other words quicken means make alive it took the part of you that died because of sin which is your spirit God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Because watch this. Sin separates. And sin brings death. But death, hallelujah, the definition is twofold. It's death as we know it, the cessation of life, but it's also separation from God. And so watch this. When your spirit died because of sin in Adam from the beginning, you were left to becoming a two-part being. Which is soul and body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The body operating under the natural senses and the soul is where your will is, your mind is, and your emotions. And so you were a creature that was, watch this, body and soul entangled to one another. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And whatever the body desired, the soul or the mind concurred with. And that was you until you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God came. And then went to your spirit and brought it back to life. And so, my God, I'm, isn't that something? I'm a two-spirit being. I got the Holy Spirit, and my spirit has been made alive. So that now I can perceive spiritual things. Spirit to spirit. oh, God's revelation is always going to hit your spirit first. I said it hits your spirit first. Eventually, through a a renewed mind, the mind catches up, but it hits the spirit first. Oh, God. My challenge when I get up here is to convey through the filter of my mind what God dropped in my spirit. The minute he drops it in my spirit, I'm doing cartwheels around the house. But then I got to sit down, hallelujah, and put it on paper in a way that the people of God can receive it. That takes time. That took all day. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? If you're blessed, shout glory. glory. Oh, God. So watch this. Faith then becomes the key to tap into that realm. Are you with me so far? Watch this. People, people of faith see visible things as having very little value. I'm going to say that one more time people of faith see visible things as having very little value Mm -hmm. because they are temporary and they are passing away. And spiritual um, um, spiritual people or people of faith see things that are invisible as having tremendous value because they are eternal and they do not pass away. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. And so watch this. If you understand that and you know that, hallelujah, why is it that we pay so much attention to the flesh and proclaim to be people of faith? Yeah, this is where I start losing them. (laughs) Because watch this. The Bible says, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There ain't nothing good in here. Yeah. And my Bible says, watch this, according to what I just said, if you can see it, it's dying. If you can see it, it's passing away. This flesh is getting old. These gray hairs ain't lying on me. But my spirit man, which you cannot see, is getting stronger and stronger. Every day while my outward man is perishing, the Bible says. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What you cannot see is eternal and it will not pass away. This flesh is going back to the ground from whence it came. If you see it, it's going down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you see it, it's staying down too. Yeah, you ain't. I like the way Joe put it. Naked I came in. And that's how I'm going up. Are you following what I'm saying? So why is it that we pay so much attention to a life we see that according to the Bible is a fleeting vapor? It's here for a moment like the grass and then it withers and it's gone. But a life after death is, watch this, considered a life with no end. Ages upon ages, upon ages, upon ages, upon ages. Oh God. God. And we all stressed out about this little short life down here. Y'all better catch a revelation. Watch this. And then use this balance of things that are eternal versus things that are natural, hallelujah, and weigh everything in that balance. Everything, your temper, come on, somebody, your passion, your desire, your joy, your fears, weigh them by that standard. Regulate everything your thoughts, your words your actions hallelujah as to prepare you watch this to get ready for the invisible to invade the natural if you're blessed in here shout glory oh i'm trying to get there hallelujah i got six minutes somebody shout six minutes (laughs) are you blessed in here watch this let me give you another statement in here when righteousness becomes aggressive when righteousness becomes aggressive and bent on an object Like these people were. Jesus sent them on a boat and said, go to the other side. And they are bent on going. They said, Jesus said, go, we're going. When righteousness becomes aggressive and is bent, watch this, on an object, it has a way of uniting forces of righteousness and the enemies of righteousness. And the enemies of righteousness. When you determine, hallelujah, that we're going to aggressively advance, amen, you are going to motivate people. But you're also going to motivate devils. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are also going to motivate devils. I'm not ready for that yet, guys. Just, messing me up. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you're blessed, how glory. glory. Watch this. When you think about Jesus' ministry, Jesus only had three and a half years. So he aggressively begins his ministry. And it is aggressive. His preaching ministry, his healing, his signs and wonders, his ability to confront sin, watch this, galvanized his followers. And he had many followers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But at the same time, hallelujah, it caused enemies to rise up. So watch this. He galvanized people of righteousness, but also, hallelujah, caused the people of unrighteousness to come against him people like the pharisees people like the sadducees people like the herodians and so watch this you have righteousness uh, aggressively moving forward and then the enemies of righteousness which is not just unrighteousness but self-righteousness self-righteousness is an enemy of righteousness just in case you didn't know that's a religious spirit if you're in this place shout glory So understand that the more boldly the Christian faith advances, the more vocal and violent the opposition will become. But God uses the resistance to build you. I got to go fast. I said God uses the resistance in order to build you. And if, I don't know if Jessica's here, but if Jess Fit was here, she would tell you there's a little something or there are some benefits to uh, building resistance. Amen, because when you're building resistance, it causes your muscles to get stronger and push against the weight or the force, hallelujah, that's coming against it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And there are benefits to building resistance. Let me give you some from a physical perspective, and you go ahead and and twist it around into the spiritual because it works both ways. For one, improve the muscle strength, you get stronger. Amen. The stuff you go through in life is going to make you stronger. Physically, if you're doing exercise, but if you're going through trials, spiritually. Amen? Maintaining flexibility and balance. Trials help to do that. Amen? That's when patience begins to have its perfect work. And you're supposed to count it all joy, according to James, when you go through various trials. Amen? Watch this. Greater stamina. You won't get tired as easily. When you're strong in the spirit, my God, you could do a lot for God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You mount up on wings like eagles, and all of a sudden, hallelujah, you run, and you're not weary. You walk, and you do not faint, hallelujah. Watch this. You improve heart strength. Some people's hearts are too weak, but resistance helps to build the muscle in your heart. Oh, God, have mercy in this place, hallelujah. Watch this. Not only that, pain management, pain management. Some of you are good until pain. But I'm going to submit to you that if you ever expect God to use you greatly, you need to expand your pain threshold. And your pain tolerance because it is part of the process. Hallelujah. In the world we say no pain. Watch this. Improve posture. Uh, An improved sense of well-being when you're strong in the spirit. Amen. Watch this. A better night's sleep. The psalmist said, I'll make your sleep sweet. Has God ever done that for anybody in here? Watch this. Enhanced performance of everyday tasks. These are benefits to the resistance. Resistance has benefits. Benefits. So the next time you feel the opposition and you feel the resistance, say to yourself, my spiritual muscles are getting strong. Wow. So watch this. Let me try to find this plane. Hallelujah. So, so, so. Watch this. They go. Jesus told them to go. They're in the will of God. They're in the word of God. They are obeying. They are moving forward aggressively. Hallelujah. And they are experiencing resistance by a storm, hallelujah. That storm is actually working for them, right? I just told you that there are benefits to resistance, but I don't care how strong you are in the Lord, I don't care how much balance and flexibility how much spiritual posture, how improved your heart and your pain threshold is. I don't care if you're sleeping good at night and you have enhanced uh, performance, hallelujah, because you're strong in the spirit. You're not going to get to your God destination without God. Let me just throw that in there real quick, hallelujah. Let me put it to you like I feel it. A God assignment requires God's assistance. I said a God assignment always requires God's assistance. I don't care how developed you are. I don't care how trained you are. You are not going to get there if he don't show up supernaturally to help advance you. God, help me in this place. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. I don't care how skilled you are. I don't care how talented you are. You could be as skilled as Joshua with a sword, hallelujah. Get a chance, read Joshua chapter 10. Joshua is fighting his enemies, hallelujah, and he has them on the run because Joshua can fight. Can I help you in here? Joshua can fight. He got his enemies on the run, hallelujah, but he's running out of time. How many of you know there's just not, there's just not enough time? Sometimes to accomplish what you have to accomplish. He doesn't have enough time, hallelujah. The Bible says that the sun is going down. And here's the thing. Joshua understands, hallelujah, that there are too many enemies. And as great as he is, there are some enemies that are greater than you. But they're not greater than the God that is in you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world hallelujah so don't be intimidated by the fact that you have great enemies as long as you know that you have a great God living on the inside of you and so watch this he doesn't have enough time hallelujah you know so what does he do he prays watch this he doesn't have enough time so what does he do he prays you don't pray because you say you don't have enough time But Joshua will tell you, prayer is what gave me time when I thought I didn't have no time. Ooh, you say I'm too busy to pray. You're too busy not to pray. Are you hearing me in here? Watch this. So he prays a quick prayer on the run. Ever had to pray on the run? You know you're late for work. you in the car. Throw that prayer in there. In the car. On the run. While you're moving. He prays on the run. Lord, make the sun stand still. That's not natural. We just throw that out there. That is not natural. To make a long story without getting scientific about it, God does it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God gives him the time to finish his assignment. Joshua knows, if God don't make the sun stand still for me and give me the time, my enemies will get away. If they get away, they will regroup to fight me another day. When you don't pray, you lengthen the battle. God, help me in here. When you don't pray, you lengthen the battle. When you don't pray, you don't have the time. Enemies get away only to regroup. You might chase them away. Only so they could come back at another opportune time, your Bible says, to fight you again. And, and, if, and if, oh God. And sometimes the battle could take weeks, months, years. But because he prayed, something, hallelujah, that should have took a long time, got taken care of in a day. You don't hear me in this place. Hallelujah. I don't care how strong you are. You're going to need God's assistance for a God assignment. Oh, Lord, have mercy in this place. Hallelujah. So you got to pray. Pray will bring them into it. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray will bring them into it. Praise will bring them into it. I don't have time. Praise will bring, you know that, I don't preach that, so I can't preach it no more. Praise will bring him into it. So Listen, can I tell you that praise is not just audible, but it's also visible? Sometimes you might not be yelling, but you got your hands up. Praise is visible. God help me in here, hallelujah. Worship, I could just be standing still. But praise is audible and visible. Hmm sometimes watch this i'm feeling this thing and i gotta quit but sometimes you think you got to have your hands on but what you really need is to have your hands up Amen. I, I said sometimes we we feel the need to keep our hands on when in essence all we really need is to put our hands up Sometimes you got to get to the place where you realize it's out of your hands. Sometimes, after you tried really hard to steer that ship and you can't gain control over that ship again, you got to let the helm go and trust God by throwing up your hands. Because at that point, I don't care how skilled a fisherman you are, you are in trouble and you need God's assistance. If you're going to get to the God assignment, are you in this place? Let me finish. Give me five more minutes. Hallelujah. Watch this. So watch this. Moses on one occasion tells uh, Exodus 17, Moses tells Joshua, go fight against the Amalekites. I'm going to go to the mountain with the rod of God in my hand. And the Bible says that when he's on the mountain, he lifts his hands. And the Bible says that Joshua is fighting. Now, Joshua can fight. Joshua got skills. Joshua is talented and Joshua is gifted. But that's not going to do it. I just messed somebody up. That's not going to do it. And so while he's fighting, watch this, he's winning because Moses has his hands up. The Bible says that when Moses' hands come down, Joshua starts to lose. Moses' hands go up, Joshua starts to win. Moses' hands go down. Joshua starts to lose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You're going to need God's assistance to get there, regardless of how strong, gifted, talented you are. Are you blessed in this place? Let me finish Oh God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to pray amen or praise amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to pray or sometimes you got to get up on that mountain and lift your hands. Luckily for them in this story, Jesus was praying and Jesus was on the mountain. It's amazing to me, hallelujah. And Jesus responds. To make a long story short, hallelujah, Jesus comes to them. You're not going to make it without him. You're going to need him to come to you. And he comes to them defying the laws of nature. He comes to them walking on water. Watch this. In other words, God is moving toward them, but not in a natural way. And you better hear this preacher, because there's a, move that, there's a move of God that's coming, and there's not going to be anything natural about it. I said there's a move of God coming, and it's not going to be natural. Don't be looking for the help that you need to come naturally. God, help me in here, because I hear God saying, I'm coming. And I'm coming, hallelujah, defying the laws of nature. Are you blessed in here, church? Hallelujah. Uh, If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap in this place. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Listen, church. When it came to Moses crossing the Red Sea, when it came to Moses crossing the sea, God had to open it for him and his people. But when it came to Jesus (laughs) coming to his people, hallelujah, he didn't have to separate it. Because he walks on what others drown in. I said he walks on what others drown in. I don't ha- Listen, I don't have to move it to get to you. Somebody better hear me. I don't have to move it in order to get to you. I don't have to wait for the mess to clear up in order to come to you. I don't have to wait for the storm to dissipate and go away in order to come to you. I can come to you right in the middle of the storm. Oh God, can somebody in here see Jesus? Coming to them in a, sap- in a supernatural way, right smack in the middle of the storm. Jesus coming. It can't stop me. It can't block me. And I don't have to move it to get to you. I'll walk on top of it and get to you if I have to get to you. Oh, God. You, you praying, God, make this storm go away. No, you just need to say, God, show up. Show up in the middle of this storm. Oh, God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. He shows up. They don't even recognize him. They don't recognize him because they're not looking for him. Because we always equate dark times to devils and ghosts. Hallelujah. And yeah, it's dark, but it ain't no devil. It's Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is the thing I want you to catch before we close. Watch this. They anticipate the worst. That's what we do. Whenever you anticipate the worst, you know what you're doing? You're birthing anxiety in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you anticipate by faith, hallelujah, then the storm will not surprise you. And you'll be in the middle of the storm, but when he comes, you'll say, I was waiting for you. Help me in here. I was waiting for you, hallelujah. Watch this. But they were not looking for him, so he had to help them. So they got scared. The Bible says they were frightened. One gospel says they started to scream. (laughs) And he said, fear not, it is I. Fear not. It is I. Oh, God, you know what he's saying? Stop looking at the winds and listen to my word. Hallelujah. All they needed was a word. The minute he said, it is I, the Bible says they received him into the ship. I know you need a breakthrough, but it's going to begin with a word. I said it's going to begin with a word. Amen, somebody. Stop looking at the winds. Listen to my word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, go by what you hear, not by what you see. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Go by what you hear, not by what you see. Oh, God, hallelujah. You're not going to get there by what you see. It's dark. You're going to get there by what you hear. Amen, somebody. And anything you lost in the storm, you ain't going to need to get there. That's a side note. Anything you lost in the storm, you do not need in order to get there. I'm just going to leave that alone, hallelujah, because I was going to talk about shipwrecks and all that stuff. But I'm going to leave that alone because I got to close. Hallelujah. And it's not enough to hear the word you got to receive it. He said, it is I. And the next verse says, and they received him. He is the word. And they received him into the ship. And then that word moved them. Oh, God. Not only did it move them, it moved them fast. And listen, listen, because it's all I've been preaching in January, and we're already in February, and I'm still preaching it. God is about to do something big, and he's going to do it fast. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This story is coming on the heels of the feeding of the 5,000, where a great multiplication of bread and fish took place. That testifies to Amos 9 and 13 because the harvest was big. This story that comes right after is talking about the speed of it, which is the second part of Amos 9 and 13. It's going to be big, and it's going to be fast. It's going to be big. And it's going to be fast. Do I have faith in the room? Amen. Let me close. Let me, let me land this plane because I know it's past our time. Oh, God, help me in here. The Bible says they were in the middle of the storm. He gets in the boat. And immediately, and most scholars agree, this was supernatural. Some people who, 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 who dumb uh, God down to being a mere man will say, oh, they, maybe they were already by the shore. And he was just walking on on water that was in deeps now are you hearing what i'm saying when you read your bible carefully and you study the other gospels they let you know clearly that they were still right smack in the middle of the storm when you get a chance measure the trip from where they were to where where they were going amen the bible lets us know they were about four miles into it amen but they technically needed about another four miles to go I already did the homework. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So they were really right smack in the middle of the storm. Jesus gets in the boat, and immediately, oh, God, if you let him in, he'll speed it up. I said, if you let him in, he will speed it up. They let him in, and immediately, this, I said everything I said, just to get to this part right here. Because we we're about to enter a what? And immediately season. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it's going to take faith to receive that kind of word. You can't just hear it. You have to receive it. And if you can receive it, it will move you. Ah, I'm not talking out of my head. I'm talking out of this book. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And let me close with this. This illustration really, really impressed me. Hallelujah. Uh, master musicians, you guys can come forward. Hallelujah musicians. We're going to close right now. On October 1st, 1947, how many of you are familiar with a name called Chuck Yeager? Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager, hallelujah, watch this, became the first person to break the sound barrier. You guys remember that? The sound barrier. He flew a plane called the Bell X-1 rocket plane at the speed of over, just over Mach 1. And when he reached that speed, hallelujah, he broke what is referred to as the sound Barrier. Now let me just say this real quick. In aerodynamics, the sound barrier is an apparent physical boundary, hallelujah, stopping large objects, stopping large objects from becoming supersonic. Supersonic. Watch this, hallelujah. He had tried it on several occasions, and before October 1st, 1947, every time he got close to hitting Mach 1, the plane began to rattle and the plane began to shake. So much so that he thought the plane was going to fall apart. And so he slowed down, and he didn't reach his goal. But on October 1st, 1947, he hit, hallelujah, Mach 1, and he felt the rattling, and he felt the shaking. But this time he determined, you know what? We're just going to go for it. (laughs) He said, we're just going to go for it. Can I help you in here? Do not let the shaking and the rattling keep you From getting to your assignment keep you from getting to your goal that is coming to try to stop you God help me in here but when he determined I'm going to keep on going here's what you need to understand hallelujah watch this before going supersonic the speed of the aircraft takes the air by surprise could you imagine that it's going so fast that all of a sudden it catches the air by surprise and if, if you could throw a picture up there real quick, I just want to show it to you as we close. I want to show you this picture. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, show me another one. Show me another one. Do we got another one? Hallelujah, Jesus. That's not the best one. That's why I said show me another one. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so that you know what's happening there, it's actually the plane breaking through that barrier that they call the sound barrier. Amen. And what happens is that it takes, it takes the air by surprise. And then what you see there happening is the attempt of the air trying to get out of the way of the plane that's coming at that tremendous speed. Watch this. And I learned that if the object has sufficient acceleration, it can burst through the barrier of sound waves and move ahead of the, radiate, of the radiated sound. And so when you see this picture, it's already moving ahead of the radiated sound. Are you following what I'm saying so far? Now watch this. Hallelujah. It outruns all the pressure. Could you imagine that? It outruns all the pressure and sound waves in front of it. And all of a sudden, on the ground, you hear what they refer to as a sonic boom. A boom that hits the ground. Watch this. At supersonic speeds, there is no sound heard as an object approaches. Normally, you hear the sound, and then the object approaches. You always hear the plane coming before you actually see the plane, right? Not at this speed, though. When you're moving this fast, you don't hear the sound before the plane comes. The plane comes and then you hear the sonic boom because, watch this, the plane is traveling faster than the sound it produces. My God have mercy. And I said all that simply to say this. God is about to divinely accelerate his church. I said God is about to divinely accelerate the church.